on today's episode, why getting your injury better can be dangerous. Welcome to the podcast, helping you overcome your proximal hamstring tendinopathy. This podcast is designed to help you understand this condition, learn the most effective evidence-based treatments, and of course, bust the widespread misconceptions. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm an online physiotherapist, recreational athlete, creator of the Run Smarter series, and a chronic proximal hamstring tendinopathy battler. Whether you are an athlete or not, this podcast will educate and empower you in taking the right steps to overcome this horrible condition. So let's give you the right knowledge along with practical takeaways in today's lesson. I hope the title of this episode's got you thinking, what's Brody going to talk about here? Uh, This was actually released on the Run Smarter podcast a couple of months back and thought this has a lot of information crucial for recovery for any injury. So what better place than to put it on the PHT podcast? Um, I run away with eight tips that um, to ensure that you're sort of kickstarting your rehab and you're on the right track and how to sort of negate this sort of dangerous zone that I talk about. Um, Since it was on the Run Smarter podcast, it sort of ends quite abruptly because when I recorded it towards the end, I started talking about the Run Smarter podcast specific stuff. And so just cut that out, just got right to the the content that's meaningful and then just cuts it short pretty quickly. So apologies for that, for the abrupt sort of finish at the end of this episode. But like I said, crucial information and hopefully it resonates with you and can give you some practical takeaways and tweaks that you can make in your recovery so you can start accelerating the rehab process. So hope you enjoy. I feel like today's episode is a bit of a public service announcement. And if you're one of my clients, whether you've been a client in the past or the present, I can let you know right now, I am not talking about you. I am sort of amalgamating a whole bunch of presentations, scenarios, and just trends that I see treating so many runners over the past several years and just looking at everyone's motivations, everyone's psychological drivers, just the trends when it comes to trying to improve their injury, trying to recover and rehab certain niggles. There is a trend and whether you see it or not, I think it's time that I turn it into a, an episode so that we can address it front on. You can self-analyze and maybe reflect on maybe there's something that is need that does need to change. And so, yeah, I feel like this is a good public service announcement. Um, and it might sound counterintuitive. Why is getting better dangerous? I thought that's what we, we want. Well, I'll explain that in a second. Um, but like I say, I see this certain pattern so many times and just want to give you the warning, give you the heads up. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to come up with some action steps. Uh, I just wrote a bunch down to help you navigate this certain scenario. Um, how many did I, did I write down? I've got eight. So, um, usually, you know, you want to try and find a nice number, um, it's around like five or 10 or top three tips. I just write down my entire thoughts and then just see how many it turns out to be. So hope you're happy with eight, but let's start off with 
what exactly I mean by when you start getting better can be the most dangerous. I think it's the most treacherous um, time frame in a recovery process um, because when you're injured, when you have pain, you your injury sort of dictates what you can and can't do. Um, we'll talk like a, a very severe, say, ITB syndrome. You've got knee pain. Once you reach a certain point, that being 10 minutes or 30 minutes or two minutes, your pain starts to increase drastically, and so you have to stop. So that injury itself will dictate how much mileage you can do, what speed you can do, what terrain you can go on. Um, proximal hamstring tendinopathy, people really struggle going uphill. ITB syndrome, struggle downhill. Achilles tendinopathy, struggle with speed. Like all these sorts of things will dictate what you can and can't do in most cases. But that's like the only the physical side of things. The mental side of being injured, there's a, there's a big mental battle that goes on and it's very, very challenging. You can have this buildup of frustration, this buildup of tension, this disappointment. Uh, you, you might be blaming yourself that you got injured. You might be letting down a friend who you're helping train for a half marathon. You might be frustrated because you've got a race coming up and you've, you're injured again. And it might have been the same mistake that you made last time when you got injured. And so, again, that frustration. And just we know that if you're in pain, you're miserable. Like pain is linked very closely with despair. And so the recovery phase is never fun, but your um, mindset sort of reprioritizes things and like switches into, okay, I really need to get this better. Um, and the longer you're injured, the longer, the more time you've had off from running or the longer you go with these restrictions, you know, that tension tends to build up. And while you're in pain, you kind of understand, a lot of people understand that it's the necessary process. Okay, I might need to be patient right now I need to respect the process. I need to respect the healing and the rehab and do all the right steps to get me better. You know, people's motivation and priorities are stacked. Their priorities are like, okay, get better. Do whatever I can to get better. I just need to get back to pain-free running and their motivation is super high. Well, depends on their level of pain and how restricted they are because (laughs) we do know that a lot of you like to run through an injury, even though that's not serving you, Um, even if it's making it worse, even if it's like delaying the healing and sort of outside those acceptable pain levels, which I'll recap that in a second. Um, So that can like just hover in the background, but I'm talking like severe pain. People have a ton of motivation, a ton of respect, a ton of patience to say, okay, this is what I need to do. This is the process that I need to go through. And when I see clients, I ask about their goals and I not sure if I've told you guys yet, but a couple of months ago, I've decided to go purely online physio and a, a few years ago when I very first started hundred percent physio, then I moved house where I set up my own clinic, converted part of my house into a clinic and had seen some clients in person and you know, the in-person clients, while I love sort of face-to-face interactions, was a lot more of a hassle than I thought. And 
really love online, very convenient, very easy. People don't turn up late. <laughs> People don't reschedule as often. It's super convenient for them. And I get to see everyone around the world. And so decided to focus all my attention back to purely online. So that's a, a quick little recap. But nonetheless, when I see my clients online, I ask about their goals. And, you know, the, depending on their level of pain, a lot of their goals are, I just want to run pain-free. I just, I don't care how far it is, how fast I'm going. I just want to get back and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'll follow your plan to the letter. Um, just get me back to pain-free running. So that's that's their level of motivation. That's what they want to do in that moment. They're super motivated to do whatever it takes. Uh, but the longer they've had it for, like I say, the tension builds. And if you slightly start getting better, those priorities tend to change. Um, but when that tension builds, maybe it's a, a race that's coming up and you get closer and closer to that race, but it's looking like less and less likely that's going to happen, but all of a sudden you get better, that can be really dangerous. The amount of tension that builds up, the amount of frustration, and then all of a sudden you, your rehab turns a corner and you start getting better. It's, it's almost like the stars are aligning for a mishap to happen, something overtraining and those sorts of things. So um, priorities, they, they shift. Motivations, they're reshuffled. There's excitement when you rehab yourself. And I know a lot of you that you have like maybe three good days, one good week and one good run where you're pain-free and you're like, yes, the excitement starts to rise and you're like, I'm back. I'm back to, to training. I'm back to preparing for my race. And this is the most dangerous part. And this is why I say that your injury getting better can be the most dangerous. And you're very, very likely to overdo things unless you stick to the plan. And if you do overdo things, you create a setback. And this can happen in a purely obvious way. For an example, if we use this ITB syndrome as an example, you're back to doing some run walking. Um, all of a sudden, you build it up. We do some continuous walking, a continuous running, whether that be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you finally do 20 minutes of continuous running without pain. You haven't done it in so long. You're like, yes, let me do 25 minutes and let me do my favorite loop around the house or around the, the block, which is a bit hilly. And you also do it a little bit too fast and bang, there's a flare up because you said, yes, I'm back. Yes, I got it. I've got all this weeks and months of tension that's built up. Maybe I have this race coming up that I really need to prepare for, want to do my best at. And you've let go of the standards, you've let go of the, the roadmap and things flare up. So that could be like a an obvious scenario. But this can also play out in a very, very subtle way and make very subtle changes, which I think is more dangerous than that scenario, the ITB scenario that I just laid out for a couple of reasons. One, if you encounter a huge flare up because you sort of threw the roadmap out the window and you've hit the accelerator and you've gunned forward and then you've had a flare up, 
odds are you're probably going to learn from that experience. You're going to say, damn, I know I should have stuck to the plan. You wait for a, a few days for things to settle back down. And then next time that scenario comes around, you've learned. So, you know, human nature, when there's a lot of pain, when there's something that happens quite quickly, when there's a lesson that's clearly, um, you've clearly done something wrong, you can clearly learn from that. But the subtle changes can be conscious or unconscious. Like you could start feeling a lot better and slightly run faster for every single run that you have. That could be unconscious just because you're feeling better, just because the endorphins are kicking in, just because you feel free and you start to feel loose and let go and sort of run to a rhythm that you want. And all of a sudden you're 10, 15 seconds faster every kilometer or every mile for every single run. And that can cause a bit of a shift. That can cause you to plateau in your recovery because you're letting those standards slip and you're slightly overloading that injury and causing things to, uh, it sort of disrupts that recovery cycle. It, it puts your recovery to a halt. So it can be conscious, can be unconscious, which is why it can be quite dangerous. But you might not even be able to recognize it. You might not be able to recognize that this behavior is halting your progress. Especially if you don't have a health professional or someone to you know, objectively observe your symptoms and your trends. Like when I work with my clients, I have kind of like a spreadsheet where they comment on their symptoms day by day, run by run, during, after the next day, so that we can have a look at that trend. But if you're just tackling this on your own and you're not writing things down, you might not even see this coming. You might not even see this happening. Um, so if it's not conscious, if, if you can't recognize it, then you're just going to continue on that pattern and that can last months. And you, you just say to yourself, oh, I've just hit a real plateau. I was doing really well. I was improving and getting a lot better. But now I don't know why, but I've just, it's still there. It's still like mild. It's hanging around. It's like a one or a two when I run, but I kind of get better a bit afterwards, but I just can't kick it. And so it's those kind of trends where people reach out to me and say, I've, got, I've had this injury for six months and I don't know what to do. That's a lot more dangerous than that initial obvious flare-up that I was talking about before. So this is where you really need to focus on the long-term trend of your recovery. Like I said, I have people write down their symptoms and we track it over the, the coming weeks. And so we can obviously see a long-term trend and we can see if that scenario is playing out. Um, but if that's happening and you're noticing there is a plateau and you're noticing that things aren't getting better, they were initially, they were getting a lot better for three weeks. It went from week to week to week, just getting better and better and better. And then you've hit a plateau. If that's happening to you, things need to change. Something in your management needs to change. Your body's telling you that something needs to change. So like I said, I have several tips here to help you with this scenario and try and um, negotiate this if you find yourself in this situation. Okay, here are my tips. Like I said, I've got eight written down. Tip number one is going to be the obvious one because it's the first thing that came to my mind when I said, what should I say? Stick to the plan. Remember the guidelines. Remember your standards that you had in those initial phases when things were getting better and better and better. 
remember all those things. This can be pain rules, what we would deem acceptable pain rules. I'll go through it again. I've gone through it several times in past episodes, but for most running related injuries, pain during running should be less than a four out of 10. So your zeros, your ones, your twos, your threes. I have an episode about um, the pain scale and exactly what those one, twos and threes are. So you can go back and listen to that. But there's other accompanying pain rules. One, you need to make sure that it returns to baseline in less than 24 hours. So if you go for a run and it's a two out of 10, that's can be fine. Like I say, for most running related injuries, if there's a, there's a few scenarios here and there where I like to um, skew away from this rule, but generally speaking, less than 24 hours, we're good. It means that your tendon, your tissues, your body has tolerated the previous day's workload if you wake up and you're, you're back to baseline. But a lot of people seem to forget, forget this third rule. The third rule is that it should be getting better week by week. That is, if you encapsulate all three of those rules, you're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. But a lot of people, they say, I don't get it. I've, I run with a one out of 10 pain. I'm back fine, back to baseline, sometimes symptom-free the next morning. Yeah, but what's things like week by week? Oh, no, it's still, it's been the same for three months. Well, we haven't passed all those rules and it's time to go back to the drawing board because your body's telling you something needs to change. So number one, stick to the plan. Remember your guidelines, remember your standards, remember those pain rules. The second thing is make sure that when you do start feeling better and you're like, yes, okay, time to, um, you know, give some slack and sort of start increasing my mileage or speed or hills or whatever have you, because that's what we should do. When you start feeling better, we want to challenge you. We just need to make sure it's gradual and that we introduce one variable at a time, which is my second point, introducing one variable at a time. When things start feeling better, you wouldn't increase your mileage and increase your speed in the same run. Doesn't make sense, does it? You wouldn't change your shoes and also do hills at the same time. You wouldn't um, go on the road when you're used to running on grass and go a little bit longer than what you should have. It's just like these sort of combinations. You wouldn't increase your rehab weight. So you wouldn't increase the amount of deadlifts that you're doing and then also do a fast run on that same day. Introduce one variable at a time because this means you can interpret your symptoms based on how symptoms behave. So if you did have an increase in soreness the next morning, you'll know that it is that one variable. And then next time, because you've interpreted this, next time you can adjust and say, okay, maybe I'm not ready for that jump yet. Maybe speed is my weak link. So let me build it in just a little bit more gradual than what I just did. Number three is to celebrate the wins. <laughs> celebrate the small wins to release that sort of tension along the way. Because if you're just focusing on getting back to a, a marathon, that's gonna be a long patient game if that's, if that's what you're striving for and that's what you're highly focused on. Just keep that in mind. If you are getting better and you finally are back to running 10 minutes pain-free, celebrate that win. If you're back to pain-free, and you get to 5K, celebrate that win. 
If that 5K is a little bit faster, celebrate that win. If your deadlift has increased to 50 kilograms, celebrate that win for a couple of reasons. One, like I say, it releases that tension. It, it sort of becomes a game. It sort of becomes a little bit more enjoyable and you're sort of seeing those those small wins and it's sort of the overall experience is, um, you know, more tolerable. But if you're constantly just focusing on getting to the next step and it's just misery and it's a real test of patience, real test of character. And the other thing is like people just seem to be, they seem to forget their goals. Like I say, when I talk to clients about what their goals are, they say, I don't care how far, I don't care how fast, I just want to run pain-free. And when we get them to running pain-free, they say, oh yeah, I know I said that, but like it's only 10, 15 minutes. Like I'm talking about 30 minutes. And then we eventually get them to 30 minutes. I'm like, yeah, now it's time to celebrate. And they say, well, no, not really. Cause yeah, it was 30 minutes. Yeah, it was pain-free, but I'm so slow. I'm so much slower than what I used to be. And no one's, no one's celebrating these wins. <laughs> Make it a joy an enjoyable experience. And you know, reap those rewards. It was, it's tough work to get to that goal. Celebrate it. Might just be a small win. Might just be a small little reward you give yourself, but turn it into a game, make it more enjoyable. Cause like we say, pain and despair, very closely linked. Let's break that chain. Number four is to learn from every flare up that you get. Like I say, there can be obvious flare ups, but there can also be little flare ups here and there. And every little flare up is a lesson a lesson that we can learn and we can change, do something differently next time. Because I've had too many people, first of all, not measure their training or measure their symptoms. So they don't even know why their flower happened in the first place. So make sure you document these things. And you can do that when you change one variable at a time, like the number two tip that I had before. And learn from it. Make sure we don't repeat those mistakes. Number five is to self-assess on your psychological drive because this loop that I'm discussing is essentially like a boom-bust loop, the boom-bust cycle. You go through a certain scenario where you're feeling better, bang, I'm back. You do too much running, then you bust. And then that bust leads to more pain, leads to dictating you're running, dictating your mileage intensity. And so you back off, you back way off. You feel better again, boom, you're back. And you repeat that cycle. I wonder for a lot of people why that cycle exists. Like what is their passion? What is their motivation? What's their drive? Why are you doing that to yourself in the first place? And it, it it's sort of like this deep sort of analysis that needs to happen. The psychological drivers, the, the, the deep motivations. Is it because you want to prove your, yourself to someone or maybe yourself? Maybe you just want to prove what you're capable of. Maybe it's a reputation thing. Maybe you need to upload or you feel the need to upload that run and you don't want it to be slow and short and have some walks in between. Um, maybe it's a race. Maybe it's like a, yeah, but as soon as I'm feeling a bit better, I've got this race that's in 10 weeks and I should be at this benchmark by now. So let me try and catch up to that. You know, where is this coming from? Is it just stubbornness? You know, we're type A personalities. I talk about it in the Run Smarter book. There's the personalities that makes a good runner gets you out of bed in the 
cold morning so you can do your long run to prepare for your marathon. That's self-motivation, self-drive, um, self-efficacy. But when you're injured, all of those traits can quickly turn into stubbornness and doing something you probably shouldn't. A lot of people say that they run, yeah, Brody, but you don't understand. I run for mental health. I run for mental health reasons. And so they've convinced themselves that they should run through pain or when they get better, that they have to run far or fast um, because that helps their mental health. Um, I sort of question that. And do you need to run far? Can it have some walk breaks in between? Can it just be slow? Like you'd still get these mental health benefits. And if you're looking for intensity, you know, running might not be that, that path right now. If you want intensity, maybe go on the bike, maybe do a cross trainer or the assault bike, um, something to get your heart rate going. That is a bit of a intensity sort of release for mental health, but you know, it doesn't have to be running. So, you know, we question these sort of things and question the, the psychological drive behind it. Number six is to continue prioritizing and progressing your strength rehab. So when you've reached, I see this all the time because people's motivations change and you can put your hand up if this is you. When you're in pain and a physio is giving you all these exercises, you're prioritizing those exercises. You do them every day or you do them exactly as the physio prescribes them because you're in pain, you're reminded of pain every day, you're reminded of that goal to get back to pain-free running, so you do them, and when the pain eases, and it's less of a reminder, and you're back to running pain-free, do you continue doing your exercises? Is it a priority? Do you still need to do your exercises? Well, in a lot of cases, the vast, vast majority of cases, you do, but you need to progress those exercises. But when symptoms are a bit less, like I say, you might be back to running pain-free, your priorities change, running becomes quickly to the top of that list, and your rehab exercises go closer to the bottom. So to make sure this doesn't happen and we're, we're making sure that when you do get better, that it's not a dangerous path to go through, then we want to make sure that when we do get better, we still keep our priorities and we progress. So our exercises get tougher and we build more resilience and we're reducing the risk of a flare-up and we're reducing the risk of this dangerous zone that we place ourselves in. So that's number six. Number seven I have is don't focus on running races. And especially when you're injured, especially when you go from injury to injury, and especially if the last couple of races have not gone to plan because you've been managing an injury. Reprioritize, reprioritize your um, ambitions and say, you know what? Let me just not focus on races for a couple of months. Let me focus on rehab. Rehab is now my sport. I can run, but it's to what is required and I will do my rehab and focus on strength, focus on building a foundation. Let me go three, four months, no pain with a big buffer before I even contemplate a race. And I say this because a lot of people jump from race to race. It's their drive. It's what they do. That's what they love. And when there is that race ahead of them, 
it it's just that carrot that's in front of them that is a big cause for people overreaching. And as soon as they're back to pain-free, they're trying to get ready for that race because, you know, for races you want to perform. Sometimes performance isn't the key. And sometimes you need to be pain-free for a long time before you even focus on performance. And so get rid of that carrot, reprioritize, reshuffle things. Um, if it's one race here and there, you know, that might be okay. You'd want to weigh up the risk and reward. But if you're going from race to race and overdoing yourself, overreaching, constantly getting injured, constantly having a few a few weeks pain-free and then it's all of a sudden back because you've got that race that you're trying to prepare for and things come undone. If that's you, really focus on that. And that sort of leads me into my last point is to look over the long-term. Look at the long-term trends, both in the past and the future. So the past might be, okay, how many races have I done and I've been injured. How many times I've been injured preparing for a race? How many flare-ups have I had? How long have I actually been injured for? How, have I gone through that first three, four weeks of feeling a lot better and then I've plateaued? Going back to our pain rules, you know, pain less than a four out of 10 during, returns to back to baseline less than 24 hours and needs to get better week by week. Take a good look at the past the long-term trend to see if you're truly getting better week by week. But looking long-term, we can also look long-term in the future. So not just looking ahead a couple of weeks or a month or two months for that race. Let's look three years ahead and say, where do I want to be in three years? Do I still want to be managing this injury? If not, let's maybe not focus on the la maybe not focus on this race that's in a month's time. That's not a priority at the moment. Because my goal is in three years' time, I want to be robust, have a good foundation, be pain-free for years. And right now, that means focusing on that larger time span, not just living in the heat of the moment and really focusing on laying a foundation, getting things right. And like I say, if there, there are mistakes along the way, need to make sure we don't make those same mistakes. Like I say, when we, we can learn from every flare-up, we can learn from every mistake that we make. Let me go through that list of eight again. So number one, stick to the plan. Remember your guidelines, remember your pain rules, remember the standards that you've given yourself in those early days and stick to them. You got pain-free, <clears throat> excuse me, you got pain-free because you stuck to those guidelines and you're gonna stay pain-free when you keep sticking to those guidelines and progress gradually. Number two, introduce one variable at a time. Number three, celebrate the small wins, get that psychological boost, release that tension that builds up. Number four, you can always learn from every flare-up. Number five, self-analyze, self-assess the psychological drive of why you're always going through this boom-bust cycle. Dig deep on that one. Number six, continue prioritizing and Jasmine's going to keep barking while I'm talking. This is the time of the day when everyone's walking home from work and she's defending our castle. Okay, hopefully she's settled. Where I'm up to. Number six, continue prioritizing and progressing your strength rehab. Make sure your priorities are in check. Make sure your progress is continuous. We progress in the right parameters. Um, if you have a run coach or physio to help you with that, even better. 
Number seven, don't focus on races, especially if this is a mistake because we need to learn from our mistakes and change it up. And number eight, focus long-term. Look at the long-term away from the heat of the moment, past trends and where you want your future trends to go. I love doing these solo episodes where there's a bit of a, um, you know, requires some thinking, requires some deep dives into your past mistakes and behaviors and injuries and rehab and that sort of stuff. Usually these style of episodes, I get a lot of positive feedback. So if you have any, looking forward to hearing them. Thanks once again for listening and taking control of your rehab. If you are a runner and love learning through the podcast format, then go ahead and check out the Run Smarter podcast hosted by me. I'll include the link along with all the other links mentioned today in the show notes. So open up your device, click on the show description, and all the links will be there waiting for you. Congratulations on paving your way forward towards an empowering, pain-free future. And remember, knowledge is power. Oh, 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 oh,